you're passionate about transforming retail operations and improving performance, plus you're accountable for key change projects and programs in your company, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. Hello and welcome to episode 114 of the Retail Transformation Show. I am Oliver Banks, your host and your guide to successfully deliver your retail transformation. And this is the final episode of 2020. And normally at this time of year, we do a bit of a roundup of all of the big retail transformation news that has happened over the past 12 months. And I am denied whether this was the right topic to do for this particular episode. And I thought, well, of course it is. This has been the most transformative 12 months that the global retail industry has ever had to go through. We've seen so many changes and that ultimately has got to be the overall theme of the year, I think. And there are a number of other underlying themes as well, of course. But what I'd like to do right now is to rewind the clock back to January when we were all naive and happy, (laughs) meeting people, having coffees, going places, jumping on aeroplanes, traveling. That feels a long time ago, doesn't it? But in January, there were some key stories that I wanted to pull out. And actually, I wanted to pull out some direct quotes from NRF, from the big show where we had Starbucks CEO Kevin Johnson saying, let's make sure that profit does not get in the way of doing the right thing. And then Walmart's US CEO John Furner said, it was all about delivering value for shareholders. Now it's important to create social value too. And I think those two comments were actually a few months ahead of their time. They're absolutely critical in what was to come. Thinking more about your people, your customers, not just the finances, was ultimately going to breed a huge amount of success later on in the year, as we'll continue to discover. And back in January, we were talking about all sorts of different things. Removing plastic wrapping was a really big key theme as well. Tesco had announced some amazing results around the amount of plastic that they are removing. China also was highlighting new legislation that was coming in that is again focused on removing single-use plastics. And there were also initiatives looking at reducing food waste and other waste forms as well. So it was a very optimistic start of the year. You know, the greater good, thinking about the bigger picture. Then in February, there was a big theme of convenience. And this was both in the West, where we had companies like 7-Eleven trialing Amazon Go-style stores. And we've seen lots more of that since. Meanwhile, in the UK, Marks & Spencer, M&S, were trialling a new Scan & Go app. Again, they've continued to do that through the year. Sainsbury's launched a new super convenient format for city workers. But then, at the very same time, in China, they were obviously a few weeks ahead in terms of coronavirus, And they were already experimenting, finding new ways to be able to remotely fulfill orders from stores or delivery to homes, whether it was delivering to car boots, convenient and hygienic collection hatches, or even warehouse pickups. All of these were starting to come through as China found its way through the pandemic. 
Then March happened. This was when Western retail, and in fact global retail really, got flipped on its head. You know what happened. Panic buying, lockdowns, stock shortages, special opening hours, social distancing, and really a brand new way of focusing and thinking about retail. And I'd just like to introduce a quote here from Robin Kizak, one of the listeners of the show. So thank you, Robin, for for submitting this. So Robin said this when reflecting back on 2020. There's no getting away from the elephant in the room. But what it has caused is change in all sorts of ways. Legacy companies that didn't have a digital channel have been forced to get on the bus or re-evaluate their future. Businesses that were already on the precipice have been pushed, unfortunately. Consumer behaviour has changed. People who had never shopped online before, because they didn't have to, have tried it. And it turns out they liked it. They've become advocates of the convenience and the ease, so may not be so easily moved back to physical retail. Friction and convenience have become big drivers of retail, so you need to make sure that your experience is top-notch. The focus for a lot of organisations appears to have been on service. They realise this is what can differentiate them, and of course, this year has created lots of opportunity to build market share as other businesses have seen their markets diminish, often through no fault of their own. So thank you, Robin Kizniak, for that. And that last comment was really interesting. Through no fault of their own. I don't think we've ever had a year where there have been so many external impacts. Have you heard of the concept of the circle of influence or the circle of control? I think this year there have been so many things going on outside of our own personal or even business-wise influence. And it's important to reflect on that because otherwise we are going to stress ourselves out and worry ourselves out. And as you're going to hear as we go on through the year, as you already know, resilience is a key attribute to have to stay optimistic and stay in business. So do remember that this is not necessarily your fault, but what you are in control of What you can influence is how you act and how you react. So do keep that in mind. March also saw the inception and launch of Retail Transformation Live, the virtual event that I was so proud to be able to put on and host that ran initially in March and then again in July. We had a ton of amazing speakers, amazing engagement and the opportunity to network and chat before we all got a little bit too Zoom fatigued. (laughs) But Retail Transformation Live for me, on a personal level, was absolutely one of my highlights. So if you have supported me with Retail Transformation Live, then thank you so much. It was a real honour, a real pleasure, and I'm glad to have been able to serve the industry in those particular moments. As we then move on to April, we started to see the transformation effect of coronavirus kick in. We saw repurposing of whole businesses and supply chains. I'm thinking of examples like hand sanitizer being produced by beer company Brewdog or luxury brand LVMH. And then we saw PPE being produced by companies like Burberry, as well as loads of distribution and fulfillment changes happening through the industry and across the whole world. Companies like 
Subway and McDonald's suddenly started becoming outlets for groceries. And then at the very same time, e-commerce really started to take the strain. We had companies like Next in the UK, where they had to close their website for nearly three weeks. And then when they reopened it, the surge took out all of their capacity and stock in about 90 minutes, it was reported. So just phenomenal shifts that were happening that, you know, <laughs> the world was unprepared for. But we've since learned and adapted, which is, again, something to feel great about as you reflect back on the year. The retail market absolutely has stood up, has transformed, has evolved and has acted. And that's what's so important right now. And it's continuing to be important as we go forward. Then in May, there was one really big, important story that came out. And I have a feeling that this story hasn't really reached the climax just yet. I think this is going to be something we're going to be talking about for the next few years. And that was Facebook announcing Instagram shops and Facebook shops. You know, the rise of social shopping has absolutely been on the cards for a little while. And we've seen some amazing companies do very well when they have focused on social media engagement and now being early adopters of social media as a channel for shopping. When Polly Barnfield, founder of Maybe, reflected, she said, when you crunch the numbers and see that Primark are on a par with ASOS and Boohoo for social media despite having no e-commerce, and when all of their stores were closed because of lockdown, and then you see the queues when they reopen, it really shows the power of remaining connected and using social tools to deliver extraordinary sales volumes in tough categories. You know, it reveals the power of digital to drive sales for both online and offline retail. And Primark was a really great example of actually one of the success stories, I think, for the year personally, which might raise a few eyebrows because a lot of people have thrown the proverbial stone at Primark this year for not having e-commerce and not setting up or starting e-commerce. But let's think about this. E-commerce isn't that difficult right now. It's very easy. In fact, in just a day or two, you could very quickly get on and start selling something yourself, right? You could go and find some stock and start selling it as a, a single individual. So for a major corporation, surely setting up e-commerce wouldn't be that hard. So for a major corporation, setting up e-commerce is absolutely a possibility. You know that already. But Primark intentionally chose not to go down that route. And I applaud them for that. And I'm sure lots of jaws hit the ground when their weekly sales of around £650 million goes to zero pounds. That's pretty scary, right? But when their finance director insists that they have been doing their planning and they are not in a panic mode at all, that is telling us something. They were planning for at least 12 months of complete closure, zero revenue, zero income. And when, as Polly suggested, those stores did reopen after lockdown, Primark were one of the few stores that did have to deal with queues around the block sometimes. <laughs> and that's because they've got a great proposition. They've got a great social strategy. 
and they know their place and they are doing the very best that they can do in that position. So I applaud Primark, well done. Moving into June, and we really started to see a surge in automation. We have companies like Co-op growing out their robot delivery trials. I'm sure you know the ones. If you don't, then head over to the show notes page, which, by the way, today is at obandco.uk slash 114. obandco.uk slash 114. Also in June, we had Kroger and Ocado looking at opening three more automated fulfillment centers. And then even Amazon buying Zooks, a driverless vehicle company, which is rumored to be a deal worth over $3 billion. Big business. Now, for me, this particular news story, a bit like Instagram shops, actually, I don't think has fully come to fruition yet. I think we're going to see and hear a lot more about it. It feels a little like Amazon when they bought Kiva Systems for a bargain price of around $775 million back in 2012. And those Kiva robots now power basically all of Amazon's fulfillment centers and allow them to operate propositions such as Prime and Superfast Delivery and fulfilled by Amazon so easily relatively. So do watch out for Amazon and this surge in what will be driverless vehicles over the next few years. I personally believe that's going to be something to watch out for. Also in June, we had Walmart and Shopify tie up in a partnership. Again, a massive collaboration here, where Shopify sellers are featured in Walmart's marketplace. And it really starts to heat up the intensity of the competition between Walmart and Amazon, as we'll continue to talk about in the coming months. Then in July, we had a story that felt like it came a bit out of the blue. Boohoo Group, who are one of the e-commerce success stories of recent times for sure, faced real scrutiny over allegations of modern slavery at one of their factories in their supply chain. And that allegation hasn't gone away. And arguably, it's built power. There have been more examples, more challenges. And social responsibility and governance, despite everything, going on is still so critical. We cannot operate in unethical ways. And that reflects back to those couple of comments that we were talking from the NRF Big Show back in January, right? About doing the right thing. So do not get caught out. Do not let these sort of rumours come and get you because I think they will impact in the long run. Boohoo, I think personally, is a really interesting case study and it's going to be interesting to see how their numbers are impacted as a result, both from a sales perspective, whether customers actually do care about social responsibility or whether they care more about cheap clothes in this instance, and then whether new guidelines and restrictions end up diminishing their profit margins. And actually, those cheap clothes have to be slightly more expensive clothes now because they're produced in ethical ways. Time will tell as this investigation continues. In August, we saw more companies starting to announce new organizational structures. We had some retailers announcing that they were downsizing. Companies like Selfridges, Dixon's Carphone, M&S, all making large-scale cuts. But then other companies were scaling up. Hermes, AO, Aldi, for example. And I think this really demonstrates 
the flip-flop effect that 2020 has had on the market. There have been winners and losers, and often through no fault of their own. If you have run a physical shop, then unfortunately 2020 has not been kind. If you run an e-commerce operation, then chances are you have had that opportunity to really boost the business up. But as businesses continue to right size, even going forward into 2021, I would forecast that there are some organisational restructures that are in the pipeline right now and haven't been announced. And then I think we'll see a period of calm as we begin to really work out what is the new organisation for the new business model going forward. Also in August, we saw Amazon launch their newest format, Amazon Fresh, their new full-size supermarket featuring their Dash Cart, which automatically scans items as you put it into the trolley or the cart. And I'm sure there's going to be lots more innovation in this touchless and convenience and checkout free market that Amazon really are continuing to try new things in. September was a month where we really saw the competition thriving in certain areas of retail. Walmart announced Walmart Plus, essentially a direct competitor to Amazon Prime. And that's done very well. There have been some really big numbers reported from Walmart. And and I'm sure over the Thanksgiving holiday and Christmas season, we'll have seen more customers signing up to Walmart Plus as well. And these two massive retailers are really going at it, hammer and tongs. Drone deliveries was another area where we saw these two companies going at it again. Amazon were granted permission to be an official air carrier and allowed to do commercial drone deliveries in the US. And then the very next week, Walmart did more real-life drone delivery tests. Tesco also announcing that they were progressing with drone deliveries as well. And I think we'll continue to see Amazon and Walmart in particular really go at each other. And I think that can only be a good thing for the consumer as each company becomes even more competitive. But it's going to make the retail market, particularly in the grocery space, very tough because those two companies are going to be increasing the bar. It's going to make it harder and harder. So you must be on your game. You must be on the front foot. Do not wait around to see what happens. Get started on your transformation now. And it's also likely you're not going to want to take on either of those two companies, unless you are also a very big company as well. So thinking about how you can differentiate and serve your customers in a different and better way. In October, we saw lots of news around social and conversational commerce in preparation for the holiday and peak season. In Watford in the UK, WhatsApp announced the launch of a trial WhatsApp High Street using WhatsApp business to teach and coach retailers to get more conversational with their customers using, of course, their preferred choice of instant messaging tool. I'm sure you can guess which one. Instagram also started trialing new shopping features on their short form videos, Reels, obviously there to take on TikTok. Pinterest launched a number of new shopping initiatives as well, including shop from search and from board and being able to filter on things like price. And then we had companies like Lush who are integrating their website with their store colleagues to do more video streaming and live video calls as well. Lush are regularly identified as giving great customer service powered by 
their people in store. So really, it's a very natural development for them to take that uniqueness, that point of differentiation, their people, and serve it across different channels. Also in October, we saw Asda launch a new sustainable trial store in Leeds. Now, Asda have been doing an amazing job this last year with trials, mainly in their Stevenage hothouse store or concept store or innovation store, however you want to phrase it, trialing lots of new initiatives, really with a view of learning what works, to look at then deploying on a bigger scale later on. So a great job by the team at Asda this year. We've also seen a number of other sustainable initiatives in October as well, whether it's the Levi store in London, accepting old denim, and then repairing and reusing it. Or one of my favourite stories of the whole year, actually. In Stockholm, H&M unveiled their Loop machine with three O's, which takes old clothing and remanufactures and recycles it into brand new clothing in just five hours in store. It's a really interesting concept as we start to think about the new circular economy to reduce the environmental impact that the whole of retail has. November was again another unusual month, particularly in the UK as the country went into lockdown for the second time. But outside of this, there were some really interesting acquisitions and partnerships that were happening for some big retailers and they are helping to transform the proposition or the operating model rather than developing a new capability from essentially a clean sheet of paper. Buying in that knowledge and experience has proved fruitful. So we had Ocado, one of the most automated retailers out there at the moment, deciding that they were not automated enough. So they decided to buy not one, but two robotics companies, Kindred Systems and Haddington Dynamics. Both are focused on the pick operation. So actually picking up a single product for an order. And they are now forming what they call probably the best robotics team in the world. We also had Shopify partnering with TikTok, creating a building force in that social commerce space, which we've spoken about several times already. We had Kingfisher announcing that they were acquiring Need Help, a home improvement services marketplace, and then Pets at Home acquiring the Vet Connection, who are specialists in remote pet care and helping their customers get convenient help whenever they need it. So all of these are examples of companies that are really looking to expand their proposition and they've understood their current and their target operating model and they understand the gaps and what they need to do about it. So look out for more partnerships and acquisitions going forward as well. And think about what elements of your operating model you need to understand better and where your gaps are between your current and your target operating model. And if you don't know what your target operating model is as well, then there's a clue as well. I think you need to be thinking very much about that as we head into 2021. And then finally, December. It's been a bit of an interesting month. We've had real progress in COVID vaccines starting to roll out in multiple countries across the world. But then at the same time, we've got mutations and new coronavirus strains that could potentially thwart that. I'm no virologist, so we'll watch this space. And then we've had some last minute Brexit movement. Again, particularly for UK and European retailers, this is big news and it's still shifting. 
right at the last minute here as 2020 closes out. And I suppose that hints at a big theme going forward, and in fact for the past 12 months as well. And that is agility. Another listener, Ricardo Belmar, says, Agility took on new meaning this year for retailers, where what used to be considered rapid deployment, a pace of six months became six weeks and very often six days. Not only did retailers learn that that was doable, that it was possible, but that many retail CEOs now expect this going forward. Many retailers surprised themselves at how quickly they deployed curbside pickup, for example, from an operational perspective, but then also how it elevated the importance of other elements of the business, such as store inventory accuracy. Obviously very key as you start to blend the channels. So thank you, Ricardo Belmar, for highlighting the importance of agility and speed and pace. I think those are absolutely going to be considerations going into 2021. And you must think about how you are going to keep that agility. Do not go back to the perhaps slower, more bureaucratic ways of working that we were once used to just a few months ago. It has been a roller coaster ride 2020, but in many ways, the retail market has survived really pretty well. Many retailers have risen to the challenge. Not all, unfortunately. If you've been directly impacted by coronavirus this year, professionally or personally, then my heart goes out to you. We're not out of the woods yet. Let's not pretend that. But we should be optimistic. There is an opportunity. And more importantly, we have the opportunity. We have the opportunity to take the initiative, to use the insight and to act and transform, evolve. So I encourage you wholeheartedly, get after your transformation. If you do not have a transformation initiative, a plan, a program laid out already, do get onto that. Yes, there has been a lot of change, but at the very same time, retail is still going after the very same essentials that it always has done. That hasn't changed, but some of the details have, and that's what you need to really be considering. So I cheer you on as you take on your transformation, and I am, of course, here to help you. So do reach out, You can find all my contact details on the show notes page, obandco.uk slash 114. If you're new to the show, then do hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app. There are a ton of great episodes that I think you'll really enjoy listening to. Pulling out a few that I think are particularly topical based on today's discussion. Check out episode 112 which was about key themes for retail transformation in 2021. And of course, you have heard a number of those key themes again today. But do check out that one, episode 112. You may enjoy episode number 108 with Gary Newbury, looking at agile supply chains in retail. Again, a key element that we've been thinking about throughout the whole year, how supply chains react and flex very quickly to be able to respond. And then finally, scrolling a little back further through the archives, in episode 66, we looked at profit versus planet and how different retail models are going to evolve as the retail industry looks to become more sustainable. So do go and check those episodes out. I'll put all of those on the show notes today. So if you can't remember anything, remember this one thing. 
head over to obandco.uk slash 114 and you'll find all of the notes and those links and the contact details. And you can sign up for my retail transformation briefing, which is absolutely free. Hits your inbox once a week with all of the big retail transformation news headlines and key themes going forward so you'll continue to stay in touch. Sign up for free, obandco.uk slash 114. Thank you so much for tuning in today and over the past 12 months. I really can't show my appreciation enough. Thank you for your support. Thank you for sharing the show on social media. Thank you for telling your colleagues to tune in as well. Every one of those actions that you take really is appreciated. Thank you. And all that is left for me to do right now is to wish you a very happy new year. And I'll look forward to joining you on another episode very soon. Bye for now. 